Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. Check back weekly to stay up to date with what God is doing here in the life of our church. To learn more information, you can find us online at sturkey.church. Our prayer here at the church at Sturkey Hills is that you are moved by this message. Guys, thanks for tuning in and have a blessed week. Well, I believe that's my new favorite song. All right? There's something about it that just stirs my soul. Reminds me, man, of a God so great. And it reminds me how he can love somebody like me. And that just gets me moving. It just changes the way I look at every heartbeat he ordains for me to have. Every breath that fills my lungs, it just reminds me of what a great God he is, that he cares for us like that. Amen? You may be here today and you have a struggle, a hurt. You may be broken. I want you to know that this message is for you, from God to you. It's a love letter. God's Word is a love letter from Him to you. And often we read past that. We read it as a book of history and stories, and it is that. But in every historical account, in every story, in every verse, it's a love letter message from God to you. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. Yeah, I want you to own that. And, uh, and, and now let me go to another level. Maybe today you're here, you got it all figured out, man. You are the Christian stud, all right? You're a 10 on the, on the scale of Christianity. You got it all figured out, man. You got God figured out. You got a perfect little life going on. You're welcome to leave. This ain't for you, okay? This is not for you. This is for us broken people, all right? Us broken people. We the broken and that's what this story is all about today. It's about God meeting brokenness and providing this thing that often many of us look for, and it's called breakthrough. If you look up the word breakthrough, by definition, it is a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery or development. That's by definition what breakthrough is. And John chapter 5 is a story about a breakthrough. It's a story about a breakthrough for an individual. And I just want to lay the foundation right now. I want, to, I, want to, I want you to consider something that this may be your day, your moment on God's eternal timeline where breakthrough shows up. Where breakthrough buries brokenness. That's what breakthrough does when it comes from God. I want to begin the story to lay the foundation to kind of uh, um, uh, unpack the narrative so we kind of get in the story of where it's at. And we're going to begin in chapter 5 of John, verse 1. Here's what it says. After this, there was a Jewish feast, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Pause. So here's what's going on. There's a feast in Jerusalem, which is what Jewish people did. Several times a year, they would have a feast, and they would come to Jerusalem like as a pilgrimage, man, a journey. They would mark their calendars. They would set it apart and make this time for an encounter with God. That's what it was all about. Now, when they got there, these are the things they could expect. They could expect uh, to gather with other people who believed in God. They would expect the opportunity to sing worship. They would expect an opportunity to give offerings. They would expect an opportunity to experience forgiveness through sacrifice. It kind of reminds me of church. Amen? That's what it looks like. They marked a time on their schedule. They came to the feast with an expectation. Worship, gathering together, experiencing uh, uh, forgiveness, and uh, forgiving those around them, 
and just joining together corporately before God. It reminds me of church. Verse 2 now says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool called Bethsaida in Aramaic, which has five covered walkways. Jerusalem's a magnificent city at that time, and there's a pool of water. And around this pool of water, it's like a colonnade. There's these roofs around it. And the word, just so you'll know, anytime you see the word Beth in, uh, in the Bible, it represents house. And so when you see the word Bethel, it means house of God. When you read the word Bethsaida, it means, uh, excuse me, yeah, Bethsaida, it means house of God. Fish, Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, house of bread. Here we have Bethesda, house of mercy. Sounds like what church is supposed to be. Verse 3, now a great number of sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed people were lying in the walkways. Now that's a devastating verse, isn't it? Just a whole bunch of messed up, broken people hanging out around the pool in Jerusalem for the feast. Now here's, here's what's amazing. He, he gives a list of their brokenness in this particular passage. He says they're sick and blind and lame and paralyzed. A bunch of messed up people were brought, brought down to the feast and dropped off expecting something. Pause. You know what that looks like? Church. Often, though, when we come to church, we think about the other broken people, right? Because if we can keep our focus on somebody else's brokenness, it'll shed and, and kind of hide and, and, and shadow our own brokenness. And so breakthrough, right, is for the next guy. Breakthrough is for the one that really needs a breakthrough. I got news for you. Your pastor is always ready for a breakthrough. Your pastor needs breakthroughs, and you need a breakthrough. And it may not be the person sitting beside you that you thought needs a breakthrough. Because watch this. How many of you would be willing and transparent enough to say, there's been things in my life, which we'll discover what they are in a few minutes, things in my life that I know God wants me to be set free from, and I just can't find deliverance from it. I've tried I've pursued, I've worked at it, I've challenged myself, I've done things, and I cannot seem to get free, I cannot seem to break through from this particular, and I know in your life, a little bit of brokenness. Anybody ever tried that unsuccessfully? Right, we do that. Well, often it's because we're trying to create a breakthrough for ourselves when breakthrough really only comes from an outside source. So this is just a day like any other day in the history, in the life of Jerusalem. They're having a feast. People come with a purpose and an intention. And there's brokenness. There's broken people hanging out by this pool, which I'll explain the pool in a minute. But for one guy, one broken guy, it's a different day. There's a breakthrough moment for a guy. He didn't necessarily come expecting to receive it, but he received it anyway. You may have come today not expecting anything from God. You may have come today because you got everything you want from God. Maybe it's a ticket to heaven. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's what a child, whatever it is. Maybe that's all you pray, that's all you need. But today, my prayer is that God will reveal to you, in you, what your breakthrough is, the thing that he wants to take you out of so you can experience freedom and liberation in Jesus' name. Now, if you look at the back of your worship guide, you'll see the, the title of the message is called Breakthrough, and then you'll probably have a stroke because there's like eight points, okay? And so we're going to navigate through these, and, and we're going to accomplish them all. Amen? Amen. Some of y'all said, really? 
Number one, here we go. Breakthrough is for all ages. Man, I like this because I'm getting some ages on me. All right. I like knowing that breakthrough can be for any of us, no matter how young, no matter how old you are. Listen to what it says. Now, a man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and when he realized that the man had been disabled a long time already, 38 years, something happens. He sees a man who's broken, and he knows a man has been broken for 38 years. Now, it doesn't say he was born broken. He, he might have fallen off a horse at age 20. That would put him at 58. 38 years of brokenness, 20 years before that, he's 58. I can, I can uh, identify with that guy, okay? Maybe he was 40 years old. And something happened to him. He got, a, he got a sickness or whatever, and now he's an invalid. He's paralyzed. And, and maybe if he was 40, now he's 78. Some of y'all can identify with him. Uh, maybe he was born with it, and he's just 38. The age, the number of years does not matter. The reason it's not well-defined is because I believe God is saying, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how old you are, Jesus is a Jesus who provides breakthrough in the midst of our brokenness. Amen? Amen? Now, in the text, all are broken, but not necessarily all of them were willing to receive breakthrough. We, we, we're not sure why he picked this one out of what it says is many who were placed there. We're not sure. The point is this, Jesus walks into the middle of the brokenness. He, he shows up at what I'll identify closely with church in Jerusalem at the feast, and he doesn't come down to the front row to the real religious people. Y'all, I'm, I'm having y'all use y'all as an example, y'all, the religious people on the front row. Jesus, he didn't come down front. In fact, he doesn't come to the ones in the middle. In fact, back row Baptist people hanging out in the shadows in the back, he didn't come to you. He came to the ones who didn't even have a place in the inner circle. He went to the ones who were the outcast, the ones who everybody knew was broken. And I want you to know something about Jesus today. Whether you're sitting on the front row, in one of the middle rows, on the back row, keeping uh, children outside or upstairs, okay, he knows your brokenness. And his desire, his heartbeat, his passion, the reason he came as the incarnate God is because he wants to provide breakthrough in your brokenness. Isn't that good news? It's just good news, man. And, and, and it, it's not good news if you don't have any brokenness. Like I said, this one's not for you. You can, you can share this with a friend. Okay, number two, breakthrough begins now with honesty. This is difficult. It's easy to be honest about somebody else. You know that? And we'll talk about somebody else, man. We, we will talk. About, I mean, I know you don't, but there's people who do. All right? Honesty. This is talking about you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Tell your neighbor, you need to be honest with yourself. It says now in the second half of verse 6, Jesus said to him, do you want to become well? So he walks up in this world of brokenness, and he identifies this guy, and he says, hey, 38 years, wow. 38 years in an invalid, wow. Uh, do you want to be well? Now, that seems like a, that's a peculiar question. It seems a little odd, don't you think? Of course he wants to be well. They've been laying him on a pallet by the pool now for 38 years, okay? Everybody else splashing around the pool. He's a spectator. Everybody else is living a life. 
He's watching people live their lives. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a dumb question, Jesus. Does he want to be? Well, sure he wants. I'll answer for him. Yes, right? Sometimes the answer is not as obvious as you might think. So what we do is we find people we can identify, that we can spot on the radar, and we fill them in the blank. And you say, well, you know, you say that. I do know this guy. And if Jesus asked him, I think he would say no because he seems to be comfortable in his brokenness. He, he seems to have adapted well to a life that God didn't call him to. He seems to embrace who he is regardless of the reason, and, and they just choose to live there. You want me to give you a real good example? We can all point to somebody else so it doesn't affect us, so we don't find our brokenness. You can go with us on Monday night down to 11B, all right? People who are addicted to substance, they have addiction to alcohol, crack, meth, painkillers, you know, the bigs of sinful nature, all right? And it's easy to go down there and say, well, you know, we're telling you, we're providing hope and offering you breakthrough, but you just keep choosing to go back to that substance, right? Now, we know people, you don't have to go to 11B. We all know people, maybe family members, who are, who, who, who are broken and cannot find breakthrough from substance, right? And it's easy, right, when we're talking at a distance. But let's go a little deeper. Um, what about those who need breakthrough from sin, a sin proclivity, a sin preference, a sin that haunts us, that we, that we try to get free from, and it just doesn't seem to happen? What, what might that list look like? A critical spirit, gluttony. Lying, pornography, anger, racism, sexual misconduct and confusion, hatred, pride, and unforgiveness. Yeah, we know some people like that too, don't we? We know some people like that in our extended family, okay? We know some people like that in our circles at school, at work, and so forth. And maybe we know somebody like that that looks an awful lot like ourselves. We've, it's a thing where we've battled it and we just can't seem to find breakthrough. We just can't find deliverance. Well, maybe it's not a substance and maybe it's not a sin. Maybe it's a situation. Maybe you know people who have a situation in their life that needs a breakthrough, that needs to be set free by an outside source. This might include personal health. This might include our finances. This might include our relationships with each other and our family and our children and our parents and, and those in our neighborhood. Maybe the situation that needs a breakthrough is our marriage. Maybe the situation is our family. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's, for me, soul winning, a burden I carry when people don't get saved, it burdens me. And maybe I, I need a breakthrough that more people would just respond to God's love, His grace, and His word. Whatever the situation is, maybe we need a breakthrough. The Bible says there was a great number of people that were there. And he steps into the circle of brokenness that looks like us. And he reaches down and he touches one person to make a statement. Now, now let me... Let me explain so you understand what's happening here. A man among men and women who are broken. Jesus, who is God, John made that 
extremely clear in John chapter 1, Jesus is the incarnate God. Okay, let me explain. The word carn, C-A-R-N, means flesh. So incarnate is God with skin on, God with a bod, God in the flesh. Okay, and, and what that means is, if, if that word, when we say uh, uh, something is carnivorous, it means they are flesh eating. So, so Jesus is God in the flesh, and so Jesus steps into a broken mess of a circle, and he speaks breakthrough and healing into a broken life. Amen? Now, now that's what he does. Now, I want you to, to just, let's work with me, pr pretend for just a second that your pastor is here today, and he is, has God in him. And he's speaking a message to you as an individual from God. Now, some of y'all just, man, you, you cringe. Oh, he's gone nuts. He thinks he's God. Okay, next we're going to be drinking some Kool-Aid. Okay, no, I'm not talking about that. I want you to understand something. That's who I am. I am a man who has God living in me. Now, listen, if you are a man or a woman or a student, and you are born again, and you are saved, God lives in you. He lives in you via, through the Holy Spirit. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it cleans it up, chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your body is a container or a vessel for God. That's kind of alarming, isn't it, to think about that? You know, when, the, when, we're, when we're doing those things that we know we shouldn't be doing, we're saying those things we shouldn't say, listening to things we listen to, watching and with all that, he's right there with us. It's, it should, it should uh, wake us up. And so maybe... Maybe Romans 10, 15, when it says, How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How good it is that there's somebody, me, you, and your circle, in what you do and where you go, you carry good news from God into a broken world. I want you to know today that this message is from God through me whom he indwells, to you. And this message is offering you a simple question. Do you, you fill in your name, want to be well? Do you want a breakthrough? Now listen, number three. Breakthrough now accepts no excuses. Verse seven says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. Seriously? I, wait a minute. I thought Jesus said, do you want to be well? <laughs> whole time I, I thought that's what he said okay maybe there's a miscommunication in the translation from the Greek into the English okay no the question was do you want to be well the question was not why are you not well you see that and to you the question is do you want a breakthrough not why are you not experiencing a breakthrough he, he just wants to know if you want one he, he just wants to know and this man begins with excuses 38 years He's been disabled, an invalid. No doubt he had at least 38 good reasons why he didn't have a breakthrough. And they're all in the form of excuses. Now, we, we all make excuses about things. Watch this. Transparency. If you've ever made an excuse about why something is wrong in your life, raise your hand. Okay? <laughs> Honesty. I love it. Okay? We've all done that. It, it, you didn't create it, and I didn't create it. 
Your parents didn't create it. It is the first response to, a, to brokenness in God's word. Genesis chapter 3, you'll remember Adam and Eve living in the garden of bliss, man, naked and unashamed, hanging out with Jesus or hanging out with God, naming the animals, man, it's beautiful and amazing. But something happens. You remember uh, the enemy shows up and he tempts Eve and Eve says, yeah, I'll take it. She, he deceives and confuses her and then she hands it to Adam. Now they're both hiding in the bushes. They've made religion coverings for themselves to hide their nakedness and their sinfulness. That's what religion does. They tried to fix themselves before God. God shows up in the garden like he did regularly and he says, hey, where are you guys at? Now he knew he was looking for a confession. And they said, we're, in the, we're hiding over here. Why are you hiding? Because we're naked and ashamed. Who told you you were naked? Adam comes first. God says, Adam, what did you do? He says, well, God, uh, that woman you gave me, you know, the naked woman you gave me, she showed up holding a piece of fruit. What's a guy to do? Guys, that's a good place for an amen. It's real, you think you're above that? No, you ain't. Okay. Naked woman going to show up with some fruit? It's fruit party. That's what it is. All right. So he blames her. Number two, he goes to Eve. He looks over to Eve. Okay, Eve, you, you're at fault. What, what's, your, what's your reason? Well, that serpent that you made, he deceived me. Okay? Everybody's blaming everybody. Ain't nobody taking ownership of nothing. Right? So we make excuses. That's, that's what we do. And here's a man. God's, Jesus says, do you want to be well? And he says, well, they won't, they won't put me in the pool. Now, let me tell you about the pool. Historians say that this is referencing a pool in Jerusalem at the Sheep Gate where right after Jesus was born or at the time Jesus was born, an angel touched the waters and periodically through the year, this pool of water would stir like a whirlpool, you know, hot tub. It would, it would begin to bubble and, and, and stir. And, and if you could get in the water while it was bubbling and stirring, you would be healed. And so they would bring all these people. A lot of them just laid there all the time in hopes that the water would stir and they could get in it and find healing. Okay, and, and so that's why they are there. So breakthrough says it doesn't matter why you came. It doesn't really matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you've never been aware of your brokenness. In the moment when Jesus says, do you want to be well? Do you want to break through? He will not accept excuses we will not play the blame game it's you and Jesus it's me and Jesus number four breakthrough now requires ownership so this invalid this crippled man has said nobody will put me in the pool now verse 7b says and while I'm trying to get in the water someone else goes down there before me he says Jesus not only are the people unfriendly and unhelpful they're just downright rude cutting in line all right? You know, you don't like to be cut in line. You stand in line trying to get you a cheeseburger, and somebody's going to jump in front of you, and you get all worked up. You remember? In elementary school, you remember people cutting in line? Anybody have no front backs in school? Anybody have no front backs? No front backs mean I let you in front of me, but then you, you can't let anybody in front of you. Okay? Okay. Nobody likes to be cut in line. Here's a man. He, one of his excuses is every time, I, every time I start to get in the water, somebody cuts in front of me. Okay? Sounds like something a kid would say. This, man's, this man is crying out with excuses to somebody who really didn't come to hear the excuses. Jesus simply wants to know this. Do you want to get well? So here it is. 
There comes a moment in our life where we simply look in the mirror and we say, that's a mess. And it's mine. I own it. I accept it. I accept responsibility for it no matter what's happened in my life. I accept how I leave this place in front of this mirror. I accept responsibility for tomorrow. You see, what the people, what people maybe have done in your past to affect you should not define your future. Jesus defines your future. And that's what he's looking for in this man. Everybody needs a breakthrough. Everybody needs a breakthrough. If you read the Bible, you'll find breakthroughs requ required all through Scripture. Adam and Eve had to have a breakthrough. That moment where they stood before God after making excuses and saying, okay, we're, we're messed up. We, we need your help. Joseph had to have a breakthrough. Moses had to have a breakthrough. David, I mean, he needed a good one. Peter needed a breakthrough, all right? You deny G you've, been running, you've been running in Jesus' little crew for three years, seeing him do everything miraculous and perfect and amazing, and the opportunity to stand for him comes, and you deny him three times, and yet God uses him and says, I'm going to build my church on you, the rock. He needed a breakthrough. Paul needed a breakthrough. And we need breakthroughs. Amen? Some of us have had them. Some of us haven't. Some of us have had them, and we need a fresh one. And that's what this is about. Number five, breakthrough commands an action. Jesus said to the invalid, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Verse 9, immediately the man was healed, and he picked up his mat, and he started walking. Now that day was the Sabbath. A command of obedience is a precursor to breakthrough. Listen, you will not receive a breakthrough from God if you're not willing to do what he says to do. I have people from time to time, and they'll say, hey, I need to talk to you. I say, what's up? And they'll say, I, just, I can't figure out what God wants from my life. I, I don't know what he wants for my life. I don't, I don't really have a direction, Okay. And I get to tell them, well, maybe God is, is, is just teaching you to trust and have faith. But maybe God is not telling you what he wants from you tomorrow because you haven't done what he told you to do yesterday. And, and so in this passage, there's a command that's a precursor to his healing. He says, listen, he says, I want you to stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. He tells us exactly what, what it is we're to do. He says, listen. I don't care if it's a sin. I don't care if it's a, a, a substance. I don't care if it's a situation. I'm telling you, you need to stand up right in the middle of your brokenness. Stand up right in the middle of your mess. Stand up right in the middle of that thing that's keeping you from being free. Right in the middle of that thing that's holding you back in your walk with God. Right in the middle of you experiencing everything God has and everything Jesus died to give you. You stand up right in the middle of that. And listen, he says, and pick up that thing that you have been laying on, relying on. People know that's part of you. And you just pick it up and you walk away. He says, you take that thing that's held you captive and you just carry it out. Just walk on out so people will see, oh, 
Oh, he's not held by that thing anymore. In fact, he's holding that thing as a testimony that you've been delivered. That's what he says. I want you to stand up right in the middle of your mess. I want you to pick up the thing that's got you held back, and I want you to walk forward. Wow. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be sweet for that thing in your life, that thing in my life that kind of haunts us a little bit, That's, that situation, that that marriage, that financial crisis, that career sluggishness, that, um, that anger, that bitterness and unforgiveness, that substance to say, I can do that? I, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could look at it and say, hey, I am not held captive by you anymore. I'm going to pick you up, take you captive, and I'm going to walk on out of here as a demonstration and a testimony that I have received a breakthrough from an outside source. Number six, breakthrough will expose your enemies. Yeah. A verse, a verse 10 says, so the Jewish leaders said to the man, here's the man, he's carrying his pallet, okay? Remember what it said? It's the Sabbath. It's Saturday. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, uh, excuse me, it's the Sabbath, and you're not permitted to carry your mat on Saturday. Maybe you didn't get the memo, you're not allowed to carry your stuff on Saturday. Okay. Now, God never said that. God never told anybody the Sabbath means you can't carry your stuff. The Jews did that because they didn't want to even run the risk of, of working on the Sabbath. And then they go on in, the, in, in verse 11, but the man who had been healed said, uh, well, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> I just got like that. He did what, he, what Jesus said to do. Man, what a different stinking world we would live in. What a difference this church would be. What a difference my life would be when I would simply do the simplicity of what Jesus says to do. Amen? If we just did what Jesus said to do, man, it would be like uh, amazing it would be amazing and it would be contagious. But he says, the man, he healed me. That gave him some credibility. He healed me after 38 years. So verse 12, well, they ask him, well, uh, who is this man who said to you, pick up your mat and walk? They're, they're missing the story. They're missing the central focus is a guy shows up and a crippled man is now healed after 38 years. And they're wanting to know, hey, who told you you could do that? Verse 13, but the man who had been healed, listen to this, did not know who it was. For Jesus had slipped out since there was a crowd in the place. Now, sometimes when we do what Jesus says to do, it may look a little odd. And listen, and it's also offensive to some of the people in our circle who claim to be friends, who claim to care, who claim to love. But when all of a sudden we start doing what Jesus said to do, it shines a light in their darkness, and they all of a sudden don't like you quite so much. I told the students, we had some students in the early service, and I'll tell our students here, in, in your world, man, there's a whole lot of people. The world hates you and wants to destroy you, but they want to pretend like your friends, like they are your friends, and they will be as long as you do what they want you to do, Right? Misery loves company, okay? They, as long as you're in with them and living in a dark world, man, they're your friends. You start 
doing what Jesus said, stand up in the middle of that mess, take up that mess and walk on by. All of a sudden, those people who claim to be your friends, they will, ident they will be identified as your enemies. They're not for you. They're against you. Now, the reason why I want you to know that is students. I'm going to up it a little bit. i got college students spread around, but i got some right here. It, it doesn't go away when you go to college, does it? They still want, they, they still want you to join them, okay? Watch this. i got young people who are married. Young people who are married, does it go away when you get married? Just say no. Watch this. Senior adults, are the people who hate you living for Jesus, if, if they do, say they do. They do. They do. I didn't even know I had a senior adult. Oh, Brian, you're a senior adult. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I feel you, brother. Okay. Now, now here's the thing. It doesn't go away. So when you start living for Jesus, sold out, full and free, a lot of those people in your circle, on your team, at your work, sometimes in your home, in your neighborhood, they're not your friend anymore. Okay? Because you have shined a light into their dark world. So, so when I was a young man, just got out of college, uh, I went to work in Chattanooga at a place called Mueller Company, and uh, I was the young guy. And all, all the guys I worked with were like 30 years my senior, so they were in their 50s. And they had grown a little complacent and comfortable and honestly just a little lazy. And they weren't really working that hard and performing that well. I'd just gotten out of school. I was 100 miles an hour. Didn't want to be just wired that way. I'm 90 now, but I, was, I may have been 110 then. Kendra knows. I mean, I was on crack and didn't even know it, all right? And, and so, so I'm, I'm giving it all I got because I had a, I had a, a little wife at home. Still got a little wife at home, all right? Had a little wife at home. She was in school, one income, okay? $21,000. That's what my salary was right out of college, okay? And, uh, man, we were, we, were, we were barely getting by. It's the truth. And uh, I didn't want to lose my job. So I gave it all I had. So unbeknownst to me, one day the plant manager who was a, na a Nazarene, I called him a tangerine. He was a Nazarene, and he wanted to have a plant meeting. All managers came in, and, man, he came unglued. We're not meeting our numbers. Our production's not where it's supposed to be. Uh, he's just, he said, let me tell you something. He said, all of y'all are going to have to step up to the plate. He said, and if you want to know what that looks like, he pointed at me. He says, do what this young man right here does. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Okay. There's only one problem with that. When he pointed me out, he pointed them down. All of a sudden, some of those people who would just hang out with me and have a good time with me, they don't even like me anymore because I made them look bad. I'm not kidding. You know what my name was after that meeting? You know what my name was? Golden Boy. That's what they call me, Golden Boy. Okay? I didn't want to make them look bad. I was just doing my job. And you know what? As Christians, our goal is not to make other people look bad or feel bad, but our job our, what we're supposed to do is do our job as Christians. And what does that look like? Be who Jesus calls you to be. Live according to this standard in this book. And what happens to them is between them and God. You don't answer for them. You answer for you. Number seven, breakthrough now. Once we, we get breakthrough, we experience Jesus inviting us into this breakthrough. And we receive it. And we, we, we stand up, pick it up, start walking in it. It's an ongoing process. Sometimes people don't get that. This is in verse 14. After this, Jesus found him, the man he had healed, at the temple. And he said to him, look, you have become well. Don't sin anymore, lest anything worse happen to you. He says, listen, I have given you a breakthrough. 
So walking forward in that breakthrough, be careful that you continue to do what it is I've told you to do. Because if you don't, something worse could happen. You know that happens all the time. People say, you know, I've been delivered from this thing or that. And, and then next thing you know, they're right back to it. I'll share a funny story. A friend of mine was doing, leading worship at a church. And a little man came forward. And he, and he took a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket. He was experiencing breakthrough. Cigarettes are a hard thing to kick. I'm telling you, man. It was hard for him. His name was Otis. And he said Otis came up there and he threw those cigarettes down on the ground. He started dancing around in a circle. Otis, he said, he said, Otis has got to do what Otis has got to do. And he was grinding those cigarettes up right there in the front of the church. Service was over, man. Everybody's excited about Otis and, and said they were leaving. Otis on the back porch had one lit up. <laughs> man, he experienced the breakthrough. And there's people that do that. They experience the breakthrough. Listen, and maybe they picked it up. Maybe they threw it down. Maybe they stood up. Maybe they walked on, but they didn't keep walking. And if you stop walking in the breakthrough and the freedom that Jesus gives you, the enemy, man, he's on your tail. And he'll, he'll be jumping right back on you. you when, when he says go, you go. You keep moving forward in your breakthrough. Number eight, breakthrough is found in one name. Verse 15 says, the man went away. And he informed the Jewish leaders that Jesus was the one who made him well, now this is a blame game we can play. We can blame it on Jesus. When somebody asks, hey, how did you find freedom? How did you find joy in your life? How did you find peace in the midst of turmoil and change and difficulty? Because <laughs> of Jesus. Because Jesus provides that in my life. How do you do that? Because of Jesus. See, all I know, all I know, here's your story. If you get breakthrough, all I know, I was in a place where brokenness abounds. Maybe it was at the church, and brokenness was everywhere, and maybe it was disguised well. D do you know that the reason for years and years and years church people wore, men wore nice white shirts and neckties and nice suits, and women wore nice dresses, did you know that that really originated out of religion, just like Adam and Eve. They thought, you know, if I look really good on Sunday, you know, if I'm all, man, I'm looking good, I'm, I can cover it up. And, and, and they, they won't, they'll notice my fancy, my new necktie, my nice suit, or they'll notice my new dress and my fancy shoes, and, and they won't notice the brokenness that's hanging out inside of that. Sometimes that's what church, unfortunately, finds itself being. A bunch of people who are broken and hiding their self in the church. Now listen, when breakthrough comes, it's the moment on God's eternal timeline. When Jesus shows up among broken people and he begins to touch our hearts one at a time. One person at a time. One brokenness at a time. One day at a time. And his story is always the same. Hey, do you want to be well? Then stand up, pick it up, and walk away. And so he is still in the business of doing such a thing. And maybe you're here today and you've never had a breakthrough. 
Maybe you're here today, you don't even know you need, didn't even know you needed a breakthrough. Maybe you're here today and you've had a breakthrough, but you need another breakthrough. I was thinking about this message when I was writing it, and it dawned on me, my life is a series of breakthroughs culminating in me pastoring the church at Sturkey Hills. Listen to these moments on God's timeline. In 1972, I was at Norris First Baptist Church. There was a breakthrough in my heart. I was saved in a revival. 1985, at Longfield Baptist Church, I had a breakthrough in my independence. I got married to my wife. In 1988, at Central Baptist Church in Chattanooga, or Hickson, I had a breakthrough in my life because I allowed Jesus not just to be Savior of my life, but to be Lord of my life. 1989 and 91, I had a breakthrough in my selfishness because I had two daughters. That'll mess up your selfishness. 1997, I had a breakthrough at a winter youth camp in Pigeon Forge. That breakthrough was in my worship. I got to tell you, we, were, we took a bunch of students to a winter camp, and uh, I had worship. I mean, I had sung songs my whole life, you know, and all those churches. In fact, Kendra knows, I, my daughters know, used to lead the band, played the guitar and sang. We were terrible. But we were the best gig in town, which made us pretty good. See, that's just relative. All your, how good you do is relative to the people around you. You can lead worship in a little bitty town somewhere where there's nobody good, you'll, you'll be a rock star. And, and so, so I'd done it. I'd sang, you know, played the guitar. But I'm up there with a bunch of students. It smelled like Axe Cologne. And, and in this place, it was kind of dark, and they're playing music, and something happened, man. The Holy Spirit came. He picked me out of the crowd of brokenness. And he came to me and he said, do you love me? I'm like, you know I love you, man. Look at this. Got these kids up here. We're having a great time. I'm serving you. It's beautiful. He says, and put, put your hand up and worship me. I'm like, I don't know. They might think I have a question. I don't know if I want to do that. You know, and he said, put your hand up. If you really love me, put your hand up in worship and admiration of who I am. So I put the hand up, you know, and I closed my eyes because I knew if I closed my eyes, nobody would see me. It gets worse. He said, if you really love me, put your other hand up. <laughs> and in the moment, listen to me, in the moment, all I did was followed instruction for the breakthrough. As subtle, as simple, as silly as that might sound. In that moment, when my arms went up, he jumped all over me. He just said, that's what I'm talking about. That's all I'm looking for. You can put your hands down. I ain't doing it. You know, you can put your hat, I don't want to, all right? So I had a breakthrough in worship with a simple command, a call into the breakthrough. Then in 2007, I, had, I went into full-time ministry. That was a breakthrough in my finances. <laughs> That's a joke. 2014, the revitalization of the church at Sturkey Hills, this church began. And we had a wonderful life, and he called me over here. I didn't ask to come over here. He called me over here. I had a breakthrough in my faith. Because those of us that were here, there was a few of us, and it was different. And it was a breakthrough in my faith, and man, he has been faithful.
And then this year, 2020, the new Sturkey Hills, where we're going, what God's going to do in our life, building a new building to provide for all of you young people and your little boys and girls. It's a breakthrough in my future. Now, I share all of that to, to say this thing to you today. I don't know what you brought to church today. I don't know what you brought to the gathering, to the feast, or to the temple. But he does. And I am confident. I can't remember, the band knows this, that I can't remember when a message has penetrated my soul so much as this. Because there's people in here who need a breakthrough. I know you do. I don't know who you are. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a substance, a sin, or a situation. I don't know. But he does. And I truly believe that there's singles, married people, students today that Jesus is simply asking a question. Do you want to be well? Do you really want to be well? Because if you do, I need you to do something. And so what does that look like as the worship team comes forward? What does that look like? On the stage up here, I've got some little yellow notepads and some pens. And maybe you don't need a breakthrough. Remember I told you up front, if you don't need one, this is not for you. Okay? But if you do need a breakthrough, I believe God is telling me to invite you to stand up, pick up that thing that you need a breakthrough in, and walk down here in the front as a demonstration of obedience, write it on a piece of paper, and pray over it. Now let me tell you, I'm going to confess ours. Is that okay, Kendra? Kendra and I came, glad I asked permission. Kendra and I came up in the early service, and I told her, I said, I want there to be a breakthrough in our marriage. Now don't worry, we ain't, we're not filing for divorce or nothing, you know. There's nothing going on. I just want our marriage to be better than ever, better than ever. We want to be better grandparents. Uh, we want to learn more of God's word and, and, and just receive more of it, experience more of it. And so we, we agreed and prayed over that our marriage would just have breakthrough, that it would be more beautiful than ever before, that it would just be a light, man. And uh, that's, it's easier to walk. I'm just going to tell you, sometimes it's easier to walk down here and do that. And then you, after, you've, after you've confessed it, prayed to God about it, wrote it on a piece of paper, and then you think, what am I going to do tomorrow? I guess I'll have to buy some flowers, do a double squeegee on the shower, okay? It's an inside joke. <laughs> I guess I'll have to, I guess I'll have to, just like the story says, it's ongoing. I guess I'll just have to be a better husband moving forward. I guess I'll have to be a better grandfather. I guess I'm going to have to do this thing, okay? Why? Because I walked down to the front of the church, holy ground, wrote it on a piece of paper, confessed it to my wife, and prayed over it. And now I've told you. I guess what's going to be better. So here's my invitation. It's really an invitation from God. If you're here today, God has laid on your heart 
an area of breakthrough that you need a substance a sin a situation I want to invite you to do like that man did to stand up to pick it up walk down here write it on this piece of paper confess it to Jesus listen tell Jesus I'll take that breakthrough that you've invited me to and to experience breakthrough listen our church has to have that it's okay it's okay to be broken okay I'm gonna I want to set you free it's okay to have some brokenness in your life that's why we're here and the person sitting next to you they're kind of tore up too okay because because truthfully honestly we all have things that we need to be made well of amen amen I want you to stand and after we pray worship team's going to sing and if you want to come forward and if you are on our prayer list and if you want to come and kneel at the altar we'll have people who pray who will come and just simply pray over you that you'll find strength in your breakthrough Father we thank you for allowing us to be in your place this morning we came for different reasons just like those who were placed by the pool some of us may have not expected anything when we came But God, your word is a double-edged sword. sword. It just cuts and pierces to the depth of who we are. God, help us receive that thing, that challenge from you, that question from you. God, help us then respond in obedience. Help us answer the question, not with an excuse, but with a simple Yes, you found me, and I need to be made well. God, there's people in here today that it begins with their spiritual healing, that they have to receive Jesus to save them because nothing else will ever happen apart from him coming into their life. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict hearts if they need to be saved today. And out of all that may go on here at the front, I'll be standing at the side. And if one or ten or whoever needs to be saved today, I pray, God, that you would just send them to me so I can help them with the greatest decision that they would ever make in their life. And God, with it all, through it all, we give you the praise and the glory for breakthrough that only you can give. In Jesus' name, God's people say.